The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences. If you are not an adult, please do not let your parents know you're listening to this, and don't repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please drink responsibly. Now that we have all that covered, let's start the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welger. You are listening to episode... 323 of the podcast, unless you're joining live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you want to catch the show live, make sure you subscribe on one or all of those channels. Turn on your notifications so you know when the show is going live, like right now. Today is Monday, July 31st. Just like that, summer's pretty much over. Back to school in like a week and a half here in Florida. Just kind of flew by, didn't it? I remember the summers going by a lot faster when I was a kid, though. It would be like, last day of school. And then your mom would take you to the department store or whatever. And the back to school signs would be up like a week after school got out. And you'd be like, shit, got to go clothes shopping and go back to school soon. And then you realize, that that's the last time in your life where you're going to have eight weeks off at a time from anything. (laughs) Um, In any case, a lot of great combat sports stuff this weekend. Before we get into that, um, still got the the wife's family in town. Uh, Half of them are going to be leaving on Wednesday and then uh, the rest will be taken off on Monday. It's been great having everybody around and um you know my daughter's loved having her her cousins from around the world here to play with all the kids have been getting along great uh we've been doing a lot of barbecuing a lot of time at the beach um and it's been awesome catching up with everybody It, it can be stressful you know with so many people and coordinating and things like that but overall it's been a lot of fun and then uh, I took my daughter today, actually, to see Elemental, the uh, the Disney movie, or actually Pixar movie, Disney, Pixar, whatever. Um, and it was pretty good. I had heard that it bombed, uh, but it was like it was like a real muggy day today, and um, there was nothing we could do outside. And my daughter's camp was canceled, so had to come up with something to do so i said let me see what's playing in the movies and she really wants to see the barbie movie because my daughter is is pretty obsessed with barbies you know she had a barbie birthday party we had barbie come to her party and stuff so she sees the movie posters and and she's like i want to see the barbie movie but it's rated pg-13 uh i just need to know like what it's rated that for you know if it's a couple of like innuendo innuendo jokes that are just gonna go over her head then i'm fine with that but uh you know if there's any explicit scenes in it um i don't mind the swearing either because um she's pretty good about that stuff where you know i tell her these are grown-up words and and these are not words that kids say um and she's pretty good about policing herself with that. She doesn't even 
like imitate the bad words for laughs or anything. But I don't know if you guys have seen the Barbie movie and you think it's okay for a five-year-old to see, um, send me a message or leave a comment. Let me know because <clears throat> if it is appropriate enough, <laughs> you, you know, I, I've let her, I've probably let her see some PG 13 movies at this point, but they're all movies that I've seen before. So I, I knew exactly what was in them and why they were rated that way. In any case, we saw elemental. It was a cute movie. And I had heard or I had read that it had bombed. It had done really poorly in the box office, I guess, because, you know, there's a lot of controversy with Disney and Pixar and politics and all that horse shit. Um, people are boycotting or, or whatever. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if there's a kid's movie playing and there's nothing to do outside, and we got to go to a movie, go catch a matinee or something. Then, uh, you know, we'll go see a Disney movie. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. The The story was basically <clears throat> all the characters are different elements. You know, fire, water, smoke, uh, trees, which aren't even elements. But, you know, some of the characters were trees. Um, and... You know, they touch on some things like discrimination where like the, the fire characters are not allowed to go to, you know, like museums or whatever that are for the water people because they're worried that it's going to catch fire. So like some subtle um, undertones of discrimination um, there, which I think is, you know, I think they did it in a in a tasteful way. And, uh, you know, the fire character is, is uh, going to take over her father's business, but uh, she's got a short temper. And it turns out she has a short temper because that's not really what she wants out of life. Uh, it was a cute movie. And then, you know, she ends up falling for one of the water uh, characters. So you have fire and water falling in love there. Uh, yeah, my only complaint is that just like with the little mermaid too fucking long, man, come on, Disney is, it was like an hour and 50 minutes. Like, and now if you go, I don't know if you guys have gone to movies lately, but they do like 25 minutes of previews. And then this movie showed like a, like a six or seven minute short film with the old guy from up. And his dog. And it's like. Come on. I don't want to be. I mean these chairs are comfortable and everything. But I don't want to be in the movie theater for like two and a half. Three hours. This is too much. Let's let's make it 90 minutes Disney. You put whatever. Put whatever you want in there. Whatever agenda you have. I don't give a shit. Just wrap it up in an hour and a half. Right. Uh, <laughs> is it. I know I sound like such an old man right now, but my daughter was losing interest too. And then I made a mistake of getting tickets for the 3D show. So you have to wear the 3D glasses, which I'm not a fan of. And she was tired of wearing the glasses. She took them off like 15 minutes into the movie. So she's watching like a blurry movie, uh, but she was still into it. She had a good time. That's all that matters. My daughter gets excited to go to the movies because she thinks every time she's going to get a huge bucket of popcorn and like, uh, Sour Patch Kids. So I had to start uh, 
I had to start being a little more strict about that stuff because we can't be, you know, filling her up with all, all this junk food every time we go to a movie. All right. Let's talk fights, shall we? Um, and I know a lot of a lot of other podcasts may lead with uh Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence, but I mean and I get it. Like if you're a fan of boxing, you're like, wow, they finally put two top guys who are facing each other in their prime. Like this never happens in boxing. And I, I think we're just spoiled in MMA because look what we had this weekend. Two guys in their prime who are both killers, Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier. Neither one of them are champions. Well, I guess Gaethje is kind of a champion now with the with the BMF belt, which that, that whole thing was so awkward because Masvidal had to get in a cage and put a belt on a guy who just knocked out his teammate cold. Um, so he just kind of like <laughs> draped it over his shoulder. Um, man, what a great fight. Um, it, it was, it was a good first round They I think they were kind of feeling each other out a little bit. Here's what I noticed. Poirier was throwing the body kick and he's thrown from Southpaw and Gaethje's orthodox. So that body kick is there and Gaethje was leaning down into it. So I think Poirier was going to adjust and look for the head kick. But then I noticed he kept tugging on his shorts. So something was wrong with the fit of those shorts, and they looked to be a little tight right on his hips. So I think he was trying to set up that head kick, but he couldn't do it because his shorts were too tight on his hips. You saw he kept tugging them up his legs, trying to give himself uh, a little bit more freedom, looking for that head kick. And ironically, Gaethje's the one who lands it. Um, you know, same setup that was used by Leon Edwards to knock out Gaethje's teammate, Kamaru Usman. So it was, it was a great finish because it was so unexpected. Like Gaethje, obviously he's known for hard kicks, but mostly the leg kicks, you know, we don't really see him throwing head kicks and it was a beautiful head kick. Shin to chin landed exactly where it was supposed to, you know, he, he caught Poirier kind of doing this, this high guard, high elbow guard thing that he does. Um, and, and his hand wasn't protecting his face and just caught him flush, put him out. And then Herb Dean had to come like he was sliding into home plate uh, to try and stop Justin Gaethje from pouncing on him. Uh, it, what a performance by Justin Gaethje, man. Uh, you, you know, here's a guy who has, has been known to be a slugger and a brawler all the way up until recently, you know, he, he fought in the UFC that way to the point that the only way to beat this guy was to shut his brain off, which is something Dustin Poirier did something Eddie Alvarez did. And in both of those fights, Gaethje is knocked out and he's like a chicken with his head cut off, just swinging as he's still falling to the ground. I mean, the guy is the pure definition of a fighter. You know, I, I don't know how you could not, I don't know how you could be a fan of this sport and not be a fan of, 
of Justin Gaethje and love seeing that guy fight every time. And then on the other side, Dustin Poirier, what a class act, man. He gave, he gave Gaethje so much credit and he carried himself with so much poise and class in the post fight press conference. Uh, It's hard not to admire that guy. And he's such a technician and I would be curious to hear his comments on my shorts theory because I really think he was looking for the high kick, but there was some kind of outfit malfunction there. If you go back and look, you could see the, the shorts wrinkled up a tiny bit, like right on his hip, which could have impinged his ability to throw that high kick. Because every time he threw that body kick, Gaethje was kind of leaning into it. The high kick would have been there. And I know Dustin would have picked up on that. And I also think that he got so distracted with the shorts, constantly trying to pull them up, um, that you know, for a split second, he just wasn't there. And and that's all it takes when you're in there with a killer like Justin Gaethje. So great fight. Um, you know, Gaethje gets the BMF belt, which you know. I think it was silly. We didn't need that for this fight. Um, that it would have kind of been more special if it was a one-time thing. You know, it was Masvidal and Nate Diaz, and it was that moment in history, and it worked at that time. Now it's just kind of silly. It's it's like how how do you explain this to somebody who who loosely follows the sport? You know, it's like well, we have champions in each weight class, but. This weight class kind of has another champion and they have a belt, but it's not, it doesn't mean they're like the best in the division, but it means they're like the baddest motherfucker on a certain night because the UFC didn't have a title fight for that pay-per-view. It's like, well, if this guy is the baddest motherfucker, then why isn't he the, the champion of the division? Why doesn't he have that belt? You know, like how how do you explain that to somebody? And you can't. It's it's like uh you know, it it kind of cheapens the belt. You know, even if see Gaethje gets more recognition for being the baddest motherfucker than Islam Mahashev gets for being the actual champion, then what's the point of having an actual divisional champion? In any case, that's more time than I wanted to spend talking about that belt. <laughs> Um, awesome main event. Um, just incredible. I, I'm usually not an advocate for like constantly, you know, looking to run fights back, but I think we need to see a third one between these guys and, you know, hopefully we get to see it. Uh, obviously Poirier is going to need some time off. Um, Gaethje may be challenging the winner of Oliveira and, uh, Mahachev. Uh, so we'll have to see how all that plays out, but wouldn't it be awesome to see this fight for a third time, uh, for a championship for the, the actual divisional championship. Um, I, I think that would be incredible. I mean, it would be so easy to build up, you know, you have the two highlight reel knockouts of each other, two great fights, uh, leading up to the rubber match. And you do it for a title down the line. Uh, I, I think that would be awesome. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of of rematches and and things like that. But 
I would definitely, definitely want to see the third match here. I mean, it's one apiece. They've finished each other. And, um, yeah, I'd like to see how, how a third one would look. So congratulations to Justin Gaethje. I mean, you were a bad motherfucker before he won that belt. And uh, now you have uh, something to put up on your mantle that says it. So there's that. All right, co-main event. I'm curious how you guys scored this one. Alex Padea and Jan Blahovic. You know, Blahovic controlled most of the fight, I thought. Um, you, you know... I understand he didn't do a whole lot with the takedowns, but he was able to control Padilla and, and Padilla wasn't doing a whole lot back. It's not like he was rocking them with big shots, you know, and, and Blahovich did look tired in there. I get that in the third round, he was really huffing and puffing, but at the same time, I didn't feel like Padilla was doing much back. I don't know. I, I, I was watching this at my buddy's house and you know, we were talking and, and other things were going on. So I wasn't really scoring it, but at the end I was surprised to see uh Padilla come away with the decision. Granted it was a split decision. It was a close fight. Um, neither guy really did a lot that, that would like, there were no, there were no like huge moments in this fight. Um, and I think the loss is more detrimental to Blahovich because he just came off of that draw with Ankalaev that cost him, you know, the shot at the championship when when Dana White was like, when the fight went to a draw, Dana was just like, I'm not giving a title to either of these guys. And then he made, you know, the Jamal Hill fight and, and the rest is history. Jamal would go on to win the title, win that vacant title, and then uh, – have to vacate it a, a few months later. Um, <clears throat> the The positive thing about Perea winning the decision is it brings us closer, potentially, to my dream fight, which is Alex Perea and Yuri Prohaska. I need to see this fight. This fight needs to happen at some point. Um, hopefully, they can put it together. Uh, maybe it'll be for the title. <clears throat> um. I don't know. And a lot of people still want to say like Padilla doesn't deserve it. You know, he moved up after losing the belt. It's like, yeah, but he became the middleweight champion after what, four fights and, and knocked out Adesanya who, you know, a lot of people would have said at that time was the greatest middleweight of all time. You know, a lot of people still say Anderson Silva and, and, uh, you, you know, there's definitely that argument, but other people would say Adesanya and Perea came in, beat him, beat him for a third time. Uh, first time in MMA, but still for the third time overall. I'm sipping on my summer whiskey hack over here, guys. I don't know if you saw the short video or the Instagram reel I put up today, but uh, something I like to do in the summer, instead of using ice cubes in my whiskey, I use frozen cherries because I don't like drinking whiskey on the rocks. I know if you've listened to the show for a long time, you've heard me say this a thousand times. <clears throat> I don't drink whiskey on the rocks, but MMA meat would have been a stupid name for a show. 
However, in the summer, it's hot. It can be a little uncomfortable sipping bourbon and you want to chill it a little bit. I don't really like the whiskey stones because I worry about them uh, <laughs> cracking my teeth. I have like a like an unreasonable fear of a stone just <laughs> knocking one of my teeth out. Um, for those who don't know, whiskey stones are, they're just like little rocks and you put them in your freezer and, uh, you can chill your whiskey without watering it down. So instead of those things, uh, I put frozen cherries and it really, it really brings out the cherry flavor in bourbon. Uh, it would work well in rye as well because rye are used in, in Manhattan's and things like that, and possibly some sherry cask scotches and some American whiskeys as well. Uh, I've been doing it with this Redwood Empire Pipe Dream. Um, I picked this up last week, and it's a it's a really nice bottle. I caught it on sale for like thirty bucks, but I think it normally runs like thirty eight to forty somewhere in there. Um, but it definitely has that cherry uh, flavor profile that I was talking about. It's got a bit of vanilla on the aftertaste. Uh, not too powerful with the oak, uh, but it's a really nice summer bourbon. I've, I've really been enjoying it. Obviously, I told you guys I bought it last week, and uh, I haven't been sharing it. This isn't this isn't all damage done by me, but uh, it is really delicious. I definitely recommend it for that price point. It's uh it's a really good quality bourbon. Uh <laughs> Mark Fellow says, Good to be here. You ought to do a howler head review. Well, Mark, I heard your request loud and clear. I purchased a bottle of Howler Head and I have already filmed the review. That's gonna be getting posted on YouTube this coming Friday. So don't worry, that one's uh, in the pipeline. Uh, I, I had been curious about Howler Head for a while since Dana White was pushing it and, um, they became a sponsor of the UFC. So, um, it was, I guess it was only a matter of time before I did try it. And thank you, Mark, for actually pushing me over the edge and, and giving me a reason to go and do it and do a one minute whiskey review, uh, which if you guys follow on YouTube or Instagram, this is something I've been doing recently. I have a bunch of them pre-recorded and I'm going to be putting them out maybe, you know, once or twice a week. Uh, but Howler Head will be the review this week. So keep an eye out for that one. Uh, it's going to be posted as a short on YouTube and uh, I'll throw it up on Instagram as well. And then I don't know, wherever else, Twitter, wherever you guys find me. Uh, <laughs> I try to, I try to keep up with this stuff so much. Uh, like I'll post one thing here and then I'm like, did I put it here? And what's the best way to share it on Twitter? I don't, and oh, and Twitter isn't even Twitter anymore. Now it's called X. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. I can't keep up. I feel like this is going to trigger a lot of people because now you can't say like, oh, my tweet went viral. You have to say like my ex went viral. And, you know, a lot of people are very sensitive talking about their exes. So I don't know if it was the best um, brand decision for Elon Musk, but he has a few more billion dollars in the bank than I do. So I guess what do I know? 
in any case, Redwood Empire, great bourbon, great summer bourbon. Um, definitely has my recommendation. I had been seeing it and hearing about it for a while, and I just never pulled the trigger. And then finally, it was like eight bucks off. And I was like, let's go for it. It was, it was just calling my name on the shelf. It's got some cool artwork on the bottle. Uh, I'm curious to try some of their other stuff now. <clears throat> All right, where were we? Oh, Derek Lewis. Man, 33-second knockout over Marcos Rogerio de Lima. And this fight was supposed to be on the prelims for some crazy reason. I mean, I know Derek Lewis had lost a bunch of fights, but come on, man. It's Derek Lewis. The man is a national treasure. Comes out with a flying knee of all things against a guy who he said he didn't even know who he was. He's like, yeah, I saw a few of his videos like last week. And then I looked up his picture. I just saw what he looks like. And then he comes out <laughs> flying knee TKO tears his shorts off and then goes and drapes his hot balls over the top of the UFC octagon and, and doesn't even have to say much in the post fight interview because Joe Rogan was like, did you know you had to take your pants off? And he's like, yeah, because, well, you know, <laughs> his my balls was hot line that he gave in the post fight uh, interview, whenever that was, is so iconic. He didn't even need to repeat the line to get a pop from the crowd. I the, the guy is special when it comes to being on the microphone uh, and giving interviews. And, and the, the whole fight week, he was just telling the media how much he hates them and fuck all you guys, and I shouldn't even be here. I should walk out of the room. And then he continues to give them, like, awesome one-liners to use as, as clickbait on their websites. <laughs> the guy is just awesome. And then... Not only does he have a 33-second knockout, he reveals this was his last fight on his UFC contract, and he's like, oh, we're going to go into no negotiations now. I mean, they must have been paying him a ton of money. I don't know what his contract is, but it was probably probably pretty hefty. He's the all-time knockout leader. And then they were going to put him on the prelims, which they usually don't do with the high-paying guys, even if they have a lot of losses. They try to keep them on the main card. But then we lost Wonder Boy and Perea. Um, so they wisely bumped this fight up to the main card, and he winds up uh, winning a bonus. Pretty cool that the UFC will still give him a bonus, even though you know they're about to go into negotiations with him. So um, pretty pretty stand up move by the company. But like, how do you not give him a bonus for that? Like, I would give him a bonus just for the post fight. When he takes his pants off and jumps on top of the cage. Just gold. Everything the guy does is pure gold. So hopefully they work out a good contract with Derek Lewis. I mean, yeah, he lost a bunch of fights, but it, come on, it's heavyweight. And he's he's the kind of guy who's out there throwing hard, which means guys are throwing hard back at him. Anything could happen. And he had all the back problems and everything, but a performance like that over a guy uh, against Marcos Stalima, like, come on, <laughs> sign that man back and whatever it costs. 
to get him back in there. Let's talk about Wonder Boy real quick. So Michelle Perea misses weight again. Again. And Wonder Boy decides, uh, you know what? It's pretty far along in my career. I don't I don't want to risk getting in there with a guy who has a hydration advantage. I'm not gonna fight. All right. You know, pretty unusual thing to hear, but you know, he luckily Wonder Boy is in a position where he doesn't need to fight necessarily. I think he's pretty well off financially. I get the feeling he's pretty smart with his money. He runs a gym. Uh, he doesn't seem like he would go out blowing all the money on cocaine and hookers, but you know, you can't judge a book by its cover either. So a lot of people were criticizing wonder boy. And then, you know, the other half of everybody was criticizing UFC for not paying wonder boy his show money. But <clears throat> I mean, you have to show on fight night to get your show money. Like he withdrew from the fight knowing that he wasn't going to get paid. So I don't understand why it's even controversial that the UFC doesn't pay him because the contract is to fight. The contract's not to weigh in. Um, you know, it would be different if like Perea got caught with banned substances or something and then Wonder Boy couldn't fight. Um, and, and who knows, you know, the UFC could have compensated him anyway. Like, look, we know it's fucked up. We talk to this guy all the time about his weight. He keeps missing weight. Um, you know, here's a little spending cash for you, Wonder Boy. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for, you know, interacting with the fans and, and whatever else. They could have given him something a little under the, under the table. Uh, Okay. Bobby Green and Tony Ferguson. This was uh this was an interesting fight. Two very unorthodox guys. You know, it was kind of similar to Tony Ferguson and, and Michael Chandler. Like he was he was doing okay until he wasn't. Um took that bad eye poke, I think it was in the second round, and then had a hard time. Had a hard time recovering from it. Uh, I think. I think was a little too gung ho about getting back in there because he didn't want the doctor to stop the fight, and then. He, you know, kind of struggled from that point on. But Bobby Green also, you know, started pouring on the pressure, and then wound up on top of Tony Ferguson at the end of the fight. Sinks in an arm triangle choke and puts Tony Ferguson to sleep. With six seconds left in the fight. Man, what a bummer. If this is it for Tony Ferguson, what a what a way to go out. I mean, 39 years old. His last win was 2000, June of 2019. So four years ago. And that was against Cowboy Cerrone when Cowboy... Uh, Cowboy broke his nose and then in between rounds tried to blow his nose, which which uh, made his eye swell up, I think, was what happened. So since then, it was 
six losses in a row for Tony Ferguson. Um, and, and here was a guy who had, what, a 12-fight win streak at one point in this division. Everybody was talking about him as the guy to beat Khabib. Um, I, I hate that that this has to be part of his legacy. You know, this losing streak and, you know, continuing to fight, um, you know, when he's, when he's doesn't seem to be at this level or doesn't seem to be fully committed anymore. Uh, you know, part of me would like to see him just hang it up. And part of me would like to see him like get one more and at least go out on a win. Uh, from what he says, he has like six fights left in him. So, uh, I mean, that's fine. I think as long as the level of competition uh, changes. And as far as the Wonder Boy, I'll just touch on this again real quick. Rick Allen says lots of costs going to training and making weight like a professional. That's true. That's true, which is why when your opponent misses weight, you can negotiate to get some of their purse and then choose to fight. And if you choose not to fight, then you also choose to not get paid. I mean, you can't just say, I'm not going to fight this guy. Please pay me now. That's just not how... It's just not how things work. It's like if you take a if you take a, a sick day at work and you're out of sick days, like you're not gonna get paid for that day. You gotta you gotta go to work if you wanna get paid. Uh I mean it sucks that Perea make missed weight and he's definitely unprofessional, but you know, Wonder Boy did have a choice and fortunately for him, he's in a place financially where he could make that choice for himself. And I don't, I don't criticize him for doing it. He, you know, he knows what's best for him in his career. So there's that. Kevin Holland made quick work of Michael Chiesa uh, with a Darce choke. Uh, I I saw this one being a lot closer, to be honest. Uh, and you know, I thought Kevin Holland maybe would have had an advantage on the feet, and. And Kiesa is the better wrestler. So I thought Kiesa could have kept it on the feet as long as he wanted to, or possibly wind up on top where, you know, he, he would have been like big and heavy for Kevin Holland to deal with. But what can I say? Got that one wrong. Kevin Holland, man, the dude, he's, he's full of surprises. You know, he, he gets in there with wonder boy and, and strikes the whole time, even gets him, gets him down and lets him back up and, and is losing the fight, but, but still wants to keep his word. And then goes in there with a grappler like Kiesa and, and submits him. Uh, so awesome performance from Kevin Holland. And I think he got one of the bonuses as well. Yeah. Derek Lewis, Kevin Holland, Bobby Green, and of course, Justin Gaethje getting the bonuses on Saturday night. Uh, let's see. I'll just talk about a few more things here. Gabriel Bonfim, man, this guy is a problem at welterweight quick guillotine submission over Trevin Giles. Just 
Nasty. Tight. One minute, 13 seconds. Over and out. These Bonfim brothers, yeah, they're a problem. But Gabriel, I think, is he's just a wrecking machine at welterweight. Um, I, I look forward to seeing both of them fight again. Uh, and then Roman Kopilov with the nasty uh, head kick over at Claudio Ribeiro. Um, Kopilov, if I remember correctly, almost finished the fight at the end of the first round and then comes out and just head kicks the guy right off the bat in the second round. Uh, fight over. Um, Kopilov, not, here's another guy that's a problem at middleweight, though. This dude, if he can stay healthy and and fight regularly, um, he's going to be really good. Jake Matthews submits uh, Darius Flowers. Kind of a weird thing happened in this fight where Jake Matthews threw a front kick at Darius and it hit him like in the stomach and his heel may or may not have made contact <clears throat> below the belt. And um, the commentary booth was making a really big deal about this. They're like, this is a clean shot. What's going on? It's so clean. And <clears throat> Rogan tried to ask Jake Matthews about it. Jake Matthews was like, well, the ref said it was illegal. Um, you know, I give flowers the benefit of the doubt. Like it could have done anything. I, he, you know, the foot landed like on his belt line. It could have pulled his cup up. Um, you know, the heel could have touched. He's like, I should have brought the kick up higher, um, which I thought was really classy on the part of Jake Matthews. I thought he handled that really well. Um, you know, the, the crowd was booing when they saw the replay. Nobody really knows f except Darius Flowers, you know, what the impact was there. You know, maybe he went down because, you know, the kick was right in the bread basket. It knocked the wind out of him. Or maybe, you know, something did affect him below the belt. Um, he's the only one that knows for sure. You know, Jake Matthews doesn't know. Uh, the referee thought it was close enough to, to pause the fight, which it was good enough for me and Jake Matthews didn't have a problem with it. So still went out there and finished him. So here we are. Euros Medic, man, this, I think on any other night, this fight, this guy wins a bonus. Um, so he's going back and forth with Matthew Semlisberger hits him with a nasty one, two and stuns him a little bit. Semlisberger reaches out with a right hook and uh, wasn't protecting his face. Medic steps in with a spinning back fist, connects with his forearm right across Semlisberger's chin, uh, and it was all over. I mean, he followed him to the ground and landed some more punches, but they were not really necessary. Um, awesome highlight by Euros Medic. Uh, if you missed the prelims, Definitely go back and check that fight out. Miranda Maverick submits Priscilla Cachuera, uh with an arm bar in the third round. So Maverick redeeming herself uh, for that loss. She suffered a couple weeks ago. Awesome card. <clears throat> awesome night of fights. <clears throat> yeah, top to bottom. This was a fantastic card. So that was that. And now here we are. Next weekend, already August, Nashville. And just like that, it's Billy Quarantello Fight Week, folks. Billy Q is going in there against Damon Jackson. 
and I love this matchup. Obviously, you know, I'm a fan of Billy. Uh, we've trained together. He's been on the podcast. We're buddies. We have the same barber. So <clears throat> you guys know where my loyalty lies here. But Damon Jackson is a dog. I feel like he fights very similarly to Billy. So the way both of these guys fight is they kind of take the best that you have and then wait for you to get frustrated that your best wasn't enough. And then they try and turn it up on you. They're both good everywhere. Both very well-rounded. Uh, I think I would give Billy an advantage in the striking. I think his striking is just a little bit cleaner. Damon Jackson probably has a little bit better wrestling. Jiu-Jitsu, I think they're, they're pretty similar. Um, you know, Billy's got a little more length on the ground, but <clears throat> obviously I'm, I'm going with my buddy, Billy Q here. No doubt about it. UFC doing them dirty, throwing them down on the prelims here. I don't like that. I mean, he got in there with Edson Barbosa in a co-main event. His last fight didn't go his way, but he looked good. You know, at least let him get on the, the main card of this fight night. That would be the right thing to do. In any case, gives me a reason to tune into the prelims, which I definitely will be. And uh, I'll be rooting for my boy, Billy Q. So cheers to Billy. Let's have a little, little extra pour for that. Cheers, Billy Q. All right. Let's talk about the rest of this shit card. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, guys. Calm down. Calm down. All right. So, catchweight fight between Corey Sanhagen and Rob Font. This was supposed to be from Rob, right? Um, and I guess, I guess something, <laughs> something. <laughs> Mark says, "Do a howler head shoey." <laughs> Listen. If there's ever going to be a shoey on this show, it would have to be under extraordinary circumstances. Okay. Like something miraculous would ha have to happen. I, I don't know. I don't know what I would, what would make me do a shoey. All right. If, if Billy Cube wins the, featherweight championship i'll do a shoey that's worth doing a shoey for all right so here i'm, I'm declaring it now <laughs> i'm gonna regret this i'm gonna regret this billy billy q oh okay billy q <laughs> wins the championship uh, i just confused matt and mark my fault so matt wants me to do the howard head shoey and Mark says he usually gets called Matt. So in any case, guys, listen, I'm old. It's hard to read while I'm talking. Give me a break here. <laughs> I can't read and talk at the same time. All right. So Marab is out. So they place Marab with Rob Font. Uh, it's got to be a catch weight because it, 
it was last minute. Man, it's a tough night out getting in there against Corey Sandhagen right now. I mean, this dude it has, has looked like a machine lately. Rob Font coming off a win against Adrian Yanez. He looked fantastic. Didn't take a lot of damage. That was in April. But, man, Sandhagen's a tall order right now. I mean, it's a smart move by Rob Font because if he gets the better of Sandhagen, that's going to be huge. Um, oh, yeah, just I'm just looking back at Sandhagen's record now. He had that split decision win over Marlon Vera that was just ridiculous because he dominated that fight, and somehow it was a split decision. God, I hope that judge got fired. In any case, this should be a fun fight. 140 pounds. Credit to Corey Sanhagen, man, because here's a guy he could probably he he probably could make a case for a title shot after dominating uh, Marlon Vera, um, but he he asked for the fight with Marab who is the the number one contender. Number one contender pulls out. Corey Sanhagen could have sat out um, and said, like, no, nah, I'm good. Let me just wait for somebody higher rank. Takes a fight against Rob Font. Matt says, wait, you were about to tell us what it would take to get a shoey out of you. I just told you, if Billy Q wins the championship, featherweight championship, I'll do a shoey on the show. All right. You satisfied? Billy, I love you, man, but if you win that championship, <laughs> I'm going to have to drink out of his shoe. Um, anyway, co-main event, Jessica Andrade, Tatiana Suarez. Tatiana Suarez is is just an absolute monster, but has been fighting very inconsistently. So she, she fought in 2019 and beat Nina Nunez and then didn't fight again until February, 2023 comes back. Um, struggled a little bit against Montana De La Rosa, but then it wound up submitting her in the second round. So, Here's going to be the big test for Tatiana Suarez, which, you know, she was probably ready for uh, back when she was hitting her stride in 2019. But then, and even then she wasn't, she was only fighting like once or twice a year. So maybe it's a good thing, you know, letting her body heal and everything like that. Um, but she's a fighter who by this point should have already fought for a title. Um, she has that much potential, in my opinion. And Jessica Andrade, you know, some people may say on a decline, two fights in a row, uh, she lost uh, in in pretty quick fashion. You know, got submitted by Aaron Blanchfield in the second round back in February, and then she got knocked out by Xianan Yan in May. <sighs> She moved back down to straw weight after the Aaron Blanchfield fight. This is going to be a tough one for her, but, you know, she does have that 
X factor of the knockout power, which a lot of straw weights don't have. So Tatiana is going to have to avoid that uh, for the whole three rounds. Dustin Jacoby and Kennedy and Zechiku. Uh, this will be a this will be a fun fight. These guys can both throw. Uh, Kennedy and Zechiku, just such a good dude, man. Um, three fight win streak. The last three fights were all finishes over all big names. Carl Robertson, Ian Kutalaba, Devin Clark finished all three of them. So this guy. 31 years old, really finding his stride here in the UFC now. And Dustin Jacoby, tough dude as well. Coming off of two losses, but, you know, this guy has got some pop on his punches. He's he's well-rounded. It's a good fight. Good fight. All right, let's jump around a little bit here because I'm getting tired. Obviously, we talked about Billy Q, Damon Jackson already. Hani Barcelos and Kyler Phillips, that's a fun fight. Looking forward to that one. And, you know, the rest of this card is is solid. It's it's definitely watchable. Uh, I'm 100% tuning in for the prelims uh, for Billy Q alone. Um, let's see. Matt Temple says that my reason for doing a shoey is weak. I think that's fair. I think that's a good one. You know, my buddy wins the UFC championship. I got to drink beer out of a shoe. I don't know what else you want from me. Um, yeah, so let's see. We got the Howlerhead review is coming out Friday, so keep an eye out for that. Um I posted another whiskey video just this morning, and I just got rid of all my shit here. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to put up the, uh, just trying to put up the the merchandise link. All right. In any case, obviously I'm too tired to be here anymore. <laughs> if you guys want to grab some MMA on the rocks merchandise, t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies. You can do so through our friends at Team Reaper. Reaper1.co is the website. You can use the promo code MMARocks10. Save yourself 10% on your entire order, whether you are buying my merchandise or not. Uh, let's see. I got to get through just uh, one more week of, of entertaining family, and then uh, then it's back to school. Then I got to survive You know, trying to get my daughter back on a routine and, and and back to school. We're starting kindergarten this year. It's a big deal. We're all looking forward to it. It's been a long training camp this summer, but uh <laughs> I think we're I think we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it to the big show. In any case, that's all I got. Check out the Redwood Empire guys. Um awesome whiskey. They're not sponsors or anything. I just think it's good whiskey and I like telling you guys when I find good whiskey. And that's all I got. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Bye.